Well, look who decided to finally get on the microphone and make an episode. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Beers with Bori. This one's going to be a pretty cool one. Um, I believe it's, it's, it's one that maybe some people know of already, but also I feel like I have a little more info to share with you all that you may not know. And that subject for this episode is going to be the Boston Beer Company, the one behind the Sam Samuel Adams brands of beers. So let's get going. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you very much for anybody that stays subbed. If you're listening to this from the notification, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, I apologize for the long break. We were, we adopted, uh, we rescued a Husky. So I wanted to take a break from doing anything like this. I took a break from recording the podcast. I took a break from even streaming. I kind of needed to get into a rhythm with the dog. So I wanted to establish some kind of rhythm. Our sleep schedule was going to be a little different. I mean, it, it's, it's a life changing event, right? So I wanted to just take a break and see how things went with her. Um, she's a year and a half. Her name is Mira. Yes. If you are a rainbow six siege player, she is named after the defender in the game. She's been great. We've had her for almost three months. We adopted her slash rescued her the last weekend in August. So all of September, all of October. Yeah. Just a little over two months. So she's, she's great. She's got her moments, of course, just like any other Husky, especially one that's still in arguably puppy age, but otherwise she's, she's a great dog. She's stupid, stupid, smart, silly, smart, sometimes too smart. It kind of freaks me out at times, but that's all right. She's great. So that's, that's the reason for the break. But now let's get right into it with Boston Beer Company. So I'm going to read some uh, excerpts out of the Oxford Companion to Beer, which was published back in 2011, uh, 2011, 2010 or 11. The first edition went into hardback or hardback, hardcover. And then the second edition was paperback along with the Kindle, which the second edition didn't change anything. So the Kindle version is the exact same thing as a hard, uh, hardcover. So I'm going to read a little bit out of that. And then I'm also going to read some from Wikipedia and try to get some up-to-date data since the Oxford companion to beer entry is 10 plus years old. All right. The Boston Beer Company is one of the largest American-owned brewing company, best known for its line of all malt beers under the brand name Sammy Adams. Boston Beer Company was founded by Jim Cook, Harry Rubin, and Lorenzo Lamadrid in 1984, along with Rhonda Coleman, a colleague of Cook's from Boston Consulting Group, who was a founding partner and vice president of sales in 85. As, as of 2011, the company was publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange, under the tag or ticker Sam employed over 750 people and produced nearly 2 million barrels annually net revenue for fiscal year 2009 exceeded 415 million. Okay. So that's as of 2011, that's the, that information is not accurate anymore. They are pushing as of 200, 200, as of 2020, 
they produced 7.3 million barrels that year. But, and I think this has to have an asterisk, which the Brewers Association website does not have this, but in 2020 or late 2019, I can't exactly remember when, they are now in partnership slash own slash bought out. I don't know what you want to call it. Dogfish Head Brewing out of Milton, Delaware. I think the 2020 numbers of 7.3 million are the two combined because I believe Boston Beer Company is the parent of the two. So by default, Dogfish Head's numbers go into Boston Beer, hence the 7.3 million. And the reason why I say that the 7.3 or why I believe the 7.3 million is the two breweries combined is because when Boston Beer and Samuel Adams brand were getting close to the what the Brewers Association deems as a craft brewer or small brewer was 2 million barrels. The Brewers Association bumped that 2 million barrel threshold all the way up to 6 million. So Boston Beer Company and the Sam Adams brand would stay under that threshold and still be considered small, small, quote unquote, craft brewer. Now that they have partnered, collabed, bought out, whatever, Dogfish said that bumped them over that 6 million. So on the, without being a member of the Brewers Association, since you have to be in the industry to be a member, I don't know if they're still categorized as that, but I can still see as a guest, as a, any Joe Schmo on the internet, going to the Brewers Association website, I can see the 7.3 million barrels of, uh, from Boston Beer Company in the year 2020. They don't have 2021 numbers, obviously, because the year isn't over, which is very, it's very interesting because they've already bumped it up once for them. Now I'm curious if they'll bump it up again. So that's, that's, that's a little side note, um, according, you know, based on what I just read you about back in 2011, but even let's, I mean, let's picture that 10 years ago, they were doing 2 million barrels a year. Within three to four years after that, that's when the Brewers Association bumped it up to six million, so they would stay under that two million cap because they were gonna they were gonna uh, go over that cap. It, it's and I also and, and if you recall, Yingling, which is the oldest brewery in America that's still independent, they surpassed uh, Doc, or excuse me, Samuel uh, the Boston Beer Company as the biggest brewer that's independent um in the u.s this is specifically in the u.s yingling um hasn't merged with anybody the only thing they have done is they have signed a distribution deal with i believe molson cores which this past august was the first time yingling has been legally distributed to texas <laughs> it was uh released in the dallas fort worth area first and then going to go to obviously the bigger markets throughout the state that state is quite big so i think that big that 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 nice yield that yingling had enabled them to have the the capital or the means or they saw something that you know they signed on with arguably big beer molson cores and felt that it was right because as up until that that collaboration or partnership yingling didn't get distributed past alabama uh they opened up to have two facilities. They might even have three now. There's one in the original in, in Pennsylvania. There's one in Tampa. And I 
think they either broke ground one in Ohio or in the Midwest somewhere, which is, which would enable them to make, to produce their beer and distribute past the Mississippi. So the Pennsylvania brewery covers basically the Northeast Maryland up and then the Tampa facility, or I should say Virginia up the Tampa facility takes care of the Southeast North Carolina down and into Georgia and Alabama. You have Yingling now partnered with Molson Coors to be able to distribute it past the Mississippi and finally available in Texas. And then I imagine they're going to monitor the sales just like any adventure or any venture as a business. And if it does well, then you just go to the next state. As long as you meet each state's laws, which Yingling and all of their brands and styles do, then you're pretty much set. Or at least they can modify the beer. Say they want to go into Utah where they're, I believe... Well, I, if I remember correctly, if it's brewed in Utah, it has to be under a percentage. But if it comes in from Utah, it just gets taxed more, which means it'll cost more in that state. But they can, you can still send in six, seven, eight percent beers. You just can't produce six, seven, or eight percent beers within the state of Utah. I think Oklahoma is the same way. And now you have Boston Beer Company and Dogfish Head collaborating, partnering up. Ironically, as I'm recording this, I'm drinking Dogfish Head 60 Minute. One of their best beers still to this day. It's absolutely, it's absolutely incredible. So good. All these years still tastes amazing. Obviously the fresher, the better, but just, it just, oh, it's so good. It's so good. I can't, I, I, it's been a while since I've had this. So I'm very, 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 very excited that I'm drinking this. Yeah. So, all right, let's keep going with the, uh, the info on Boston beer company. The first beer they produced under the Sam Adams logo was Boston lager or Sam Adams brand. And it was based on a recipe created by Cook's great-great-grandfather, Lewis Cook, and was first sold on Patriot's Day in 1985. Fitting, right? New England, Boston, Massachusetts. When else would you do it? Definitely not when the Patriots win anything, because back then they weren't winning anything. The brand name Samuel Adams was chosen to honor the American Revolution leader, who is also believed to have been at least a maltster, although some accounts do suggest he was a brewer too. For example, in Ira Stoll's Samuel Adams' Life, the author reports that Jim Cook was once offered for sale a receipt for hop signed by the Patriot Samuel Adams. I mean, sure. I haven't read the book Sam Samuel Adams' Life, but I'm not going to sit here and argue it. <laughs> I mean, sure, he was offered a receipt that for hops that was once signed by Samuel Adams himself. The beer was hand sold in the beginning and by the end of the first year of production was about 500 barrels. Later the same year, it was selected as the best beer in America at the Great American Beer Festival's consumer preference poll and the subsequent three years after, which figured heavily in early advertising of the brand. The second Sammy Adams beer the company released was their Double Bock, which went on sale in 1988. So from 1985 to 1988, Boston Beer and, and the Samuel Adams brand only made Boston Lager. Three years, they made one beer. And most of that stuff was sold by hand in the region or probably within the city. That's insane. That's crazy when you when you think about it. Imagine a brewery coming out right now and the owner and a brewmaster goes to every single account in the city selling their beer and only having one beer and doing that for three years straight. It's, it's it wouldn't happen now, but just, just imagine that. By 1992, the brand was distributed nationally in every state. So four years after they made their double bock, they went nationwide 
and in 94 was the best-selling specialty beer in the country. In the early 90s, sales were around 50 million a year. By the mid-90s, had risen to over 200 million, with 1.2 million barrels produced. Wow, that's that's incredible. In less than 10 years, or in about 10 years, they went from 500 barrels to 1.2 million. Mind you, this is without any big beer, nothing bought out. This is just all saturating the market in the Northeast and then saturating the rest of the country, possibly signing on some form of distribution deal with either an Anheuser or um, Miller or Coors back then. But even still, that's just a distribution agreement, very similar to the Yingling and Miller Coors that just went down this year. All right, so I'm now pulling up the Wikipedia, which I know it's Wikipedia. Some of this is uh, completely false, but they do have the very same entry as uh, as what's in Oxford. I would I Oxford to me is the Oxford Companion to me to me is like it is literally the encyclopedia of beer. It is the best reference book. Even though it is 10 years old, it is still the best reference book. I would love for them to scrub the book and add in everything that's happened in the last 10 years. I mean, who knows? I mean, a lot of the a lot of the, the contributors to the Oxford Companion have probably passed away. I know at least one, Michael Jackson, has passed away. Others have moved on from the companies that were part of this part of their contribution to the Oxford. Breweries have shut down. Breweries have been bought out. Breweries have been renamed, gone under new ownership. The whole, you know, all of that. But yeah, it would be just fantastic if they would just go through it one more time. All of Boston Beer's early production was on a contract basis, which is which is how it initially helped them really get all over the country. Brewed initially in Pittsburgh Brewing Company, excuse me, brewed initially at the Pittsburgh Brewing Company in Pennsylvania, and later at later at still others such as Stroh's, Blitz Weinhardt, and Miller Breweries. In 88, the company renovated the former Haffin Reffer Brewery in the Jamaica Plain neighborhood of Boston, which today is a tourist destination. A pilot brewery there also conducts research and development and brews specialty beers for, for limited release. Separate corporate offices are also maintained in downtown Boston. Yeah, that, that, that would explain why they were able to just really make a huge indent just getting a contract brewed, which some breweries nowadays still do. There are still breweries that don't have a facility, but they have they have the ideas, they have the styles, they have the ideas and the style and the, and the desire. They just don't have the capital to go and lease and buy all the equipment. The next best thing is pay little to a brewery to make your beers, but you pay for all your labels and you pay for all the distribution and they take care of the rest for you. You build up some of that margin, you get yourself some money, possibly some investors, and then you go seeking a place to lease and start buying equipment. That's that's smart, especially back then, back in the mid eighties, trying to not many think about how many breweries were available or were open in the mid eighties. I mean, it was probably under a thousand back then. I mean, now we're pushing almost 8,000, but in, in, in the mid eighties, I, I mean, I was only four, I was four and five when Sam Adams was founded or Boston Beer Company was founded and their first beer produced. So I wouldn't have any clue to exact numbers, but just from reading beer history and getting really into it, hence why this podcast exists in the first place, I'd, I'd like to assume and I'd like to take a real strong guess that back in 1985, there was probably less than a thousand breweries in the US. 
there might even be less than 700 because only the big the big names survived prohibition and any small brewery that made it out of prohibition either went under or got snagged up by the big brands and then turned over just another became another production facility for the big brands the budweiser's the millers the cores the, the schlitz those those big names and then it says here in the mid 90s boston beer purchased the Udipole Schnolling Brewery in Cincinnati and in 2005 completed a major renovation and expansion in 2000 completed a major renovation and expansion in 2008 a third brewery was acquired in Brynigsville Pennsylvania today all Sam Adams beers are produced at company-owned breweries as opposed to being contractory like it was initially in, the, in his first three years the company went public in 95 selling a class a common stock which have very limited voting rights on the New York Stock Exchange, whereas founder Jim Cook owns 100% of Class B common stock, which is the only class with full voting rights. And as of 2011, they were brewing over 30 different beers produced under the Samuel Adams label, which Boston Lager still accounts for the majority of the company's sales. And that's right. But I mean, if you think about, think about where you travel that has beers on draft, Boston Lager is essentially right next to Coors Light, Bud Light, Miller Light, Corona, Modelo, insert some locally brewed slash big beer, craft beer, tap. Or if you go five handles only, Boston Lager, Bud Light, Miller Light, mm, Corona, Modelo. That's essentially what you see. And I mean, it's there's a reason for that. It still sells. People still go after the Sammy Adams Boston Lager. It's a very flavorful lager. It's it's a it's an a Vienna style amber lager with tons of flavor, more flavor than most Vienna lagers that you would have. But that's what they wanted. That's what they went after. Back in 1984 and 85, there wasn't a beer like that. The big dogs were all selling pale, clear, light lagers. Basically, after the war, that's really all that was selling. So why wouldn't you make that? Yingling, on the other hand never made a pale light lager. They made Yingling light, but it was still a lighter version of their Vienna lager, which is Yingling. And Yingling, at, still to this day, that beer is found in every restaurant that has beer on tap on the Eastern Shore. Every restaurant. You would be silly not to open a restaurant on the Eastern Shore and not include Yingling on the, on the menu. And I'd like to add that Boston Beer and Samuel Adams holds an extra special place in my heart. I believe I've said this before. And I know most of my, any family listening would know this already, but Samuel Adams, Sam Adams light was actually my gateway beer. Um, when I started to drink beer in like, I don't know, Oh five, Oh six, uh, all I could muscle down was Coors Light. That's it. I couldn't drink anything. I couldn't even drink Miller light, Bud light was, Bud light didn't taste like anything, but it also didn't taste good. Miller light had the most flavor for the light version or the light beers, but because I had more flavor, it didn't taste good. Coors Light was literally had enough flavor that I could muscle down, but it also didn't taste like anything. It tasted like water. So it's like, why not? It's cheap. If I'm going to drink, if I want alcohol and this is all I can drink, might as well drink Coors Light. Um, so one, I want to say I'm, I'm recalling my brother's graduation of something high school or college. I don't remember, but our cousin Oscar 
asks me, hey, why are you drinking Coors Light? And I tell him, like, this is the only beer I can drink. I can't drink anything else. He's like, you know, you should really go try Sam's Light. Sam Adams Light. He's like, it's a, it's light enough beer. It's a light enough beer that you can enjoy and drink and not feel like it's, you know, uh, heavy. But there's so much more flavor than what you're drinking. And it's good flavor that you'll, you will never, ever want to go back. So back in 2006, we were stationed at McGuire uh, Air Force Base in New Jersey. And I want to say on the way home, stop by the, what's known as the class six or the shop at, uh, on the army side of the McGuire Fort Dix gate. And I peeped in and I was just like, well, let me see if I can find Sam's light. I, I had no trouble finding it. Back in 2006, Samuel Adams, Boston Lager, Samuel Adams light, and about probably half or two thirds of the Brewmasters collection of beers that they would make under the Samuel Adams label were all available at that class six slash shop at. So grab the six pack, took it back to the apartment and slowly started drinking it. And by the end of the week, I had finished the six pack and it I was hooked from that point on. It was Sam's light and only Sam's light really acquired the flavor, started to really enjoy it. Then I was like, all right, it's time to branch out. So I went pretty sure I went Boston lager because that would be the natural progression, right? Once I had the Boston Lager, adapted my palate for it, really enjoyed it. Then it was time to move on. And that's when I started to drink all their Brewmaster or their old Brewmaster's collection series of beers. And recalling what they had back in 2006 and 7, we're talking Cherry Wheat used to be there or technically still is. They had a Honey Porter. They had a Vice Beer. They had a Dunkel Vice Beer. They had a Stout, just probably just a standard Stout. They had... Hmm. What was the other one they had? There was some drawing a blank. I want to say they had a pale ale or some kind of IPA, but not like, like more East coast and obviously not what we see now. Um, cause the hops available back in 2006 were very different than what we have now. And there's one more. I just do not remember what it is. It was most likely a seasonal under the brewmasters collection label. So I would just ran through the gamut one six pack at a time course of every week or two, just trying it out, getting the palate established, trying to understand why I'm drinking this dark wheat beer, cloudy as hell, but it smells like bananas. It smells like cloves. I get this weird, rich, like caramel sugar flavor. And sometimes I get this banana, not, excuse me, not banana, but a bubble gum, like all of that stuff that I was experiencing, just, I was intrigued and I was hooked. It was, it was like, I had to understand why I was tasting this in a beer. And then that's when the evolution was reading into beer, why the flavors, where they came from, and then the how, and then home brewing started. And that was in 2010 when I started home brewing and essentially was brewing ever since. I have been on a four year ish hiatus essentially since Charlotte was born. I think I've, I've only brewed once since she's been born since from 2017. So I do need to get back into it. I did lose some equipment on the move to California from Germany. So I have a list of things that were casualties that I may, may end up buying before we move. We only have two years left here. So. But at this rate, there's no point. I might just, I'll just have to, I'll just wait till I retire, move, we're going to move back East and then buy everything then. 
probably be cheaper anyways that are buying here in California. So yeah, the Boston Beer Company, Sam Adams label, all hold a very special place in my heart. I mean, I still buy their stuff. I still, from time to time, grab a 12-pack of their whatever insert seasonal beers because there are some in there that are that have me intrigued, and it reminds me of their Brewmasters collection back in the day. Since the Brewmaster collection isn't really a thing anymore, according to their website, Cherry Wheat is the only one on the list. So what they've been doing is some of those styles that would normally be labeled under the Brewmasters collection are now just... Samuel Adams, and then they throw them in a 12-pack along with Boston Lager. Some packs are pretty disappointing because half of the pack is Boston Lager and, like, Sam 76, which you can buy Sam 76 in a 6 or a 12-pack on its own. So I feel like they're just filling... They're just using it as filler because they don't have another style to shove in there. So you're really only getting six of the new styles and hope that those new styles get good feedback and return the next time this 12 pack gets made. So every, every so often I'll actually keep an eye on their variety packs to see what they release, see what they stick in there. And if something intrigues me, I'll definitely buy it for sure. Um, their most, they do have a new, new one, which is their holiday six different styles, two bottles of each. And that's the one that includes old Fezziwig. Um, and that's, that is one of my, still to this day, one of my favorite beers to have. I actually really do hope we get it out here, but I don't believe we will. I think we get, I don't think we'll get that one. Or if we do, it's going to be in a very specific market and I, I'm going to have to drive to it, but it's only two bottles. Which is which sucks because old Fezziwig used to be sold individually, and then it now it's only sold in twelve packs, and only in variety packs, and only during the holiday months. So only for November and December, and maybe January. So in addition to their flagship beers and their other series, these like the like the Brewmasters Collection and the Imperial Series and the Barrel Room Connect Collection. Oh, I totally missed that. Let me back up here. Uh, over 30 beers were produced under the Sam Adams label, Boston Locker accounting for the majority of the sales. In 2002, Samuel Adams Light was introduced, making it one of the first low-calorie light beers produced by a craft brewer. In addition to Boston Locker and Sam Adams Light, nearly a dozen seasonal beers are released each year along with several series of beers. These include, to date, but keep in mind this entry is from 2011, to date, the Brewmasters Collection, which consisted of 12 different beers, the Imperial Series, which was four beers, and the Barrel Room Collection, which are three beers. I don't remember the Imperial Series ever. So those four beers were very hard to find or just didn't make it down to Maryland, New Jersey. Uh, but the Barrel Room Collection, the only one that I know of is Utopia's. Um, right here it says, in addition to the flagship beers and the other series, Boston Beer also produced a number of specialty beers. They released one called Triple Bach in 1994, which was one of the first, which was one of the, which was the company's first specialty release and one of the first extreme beers produced in America. Triple Bach came in at 18%. Non-carbonated 
and sold in distinctive small 0.25 liter or 8.45 ounce dark blue bottles. I never saw that one. Well, that was a 94. Who knows how long it was produced if they continue to producing it all the way to 2006. Odds are they didn't. Because I don't, I don't know if that would actually be so it would sell well uh eight ounce eight and a half ounce beer bottle of 18 percent. it was probably selling for 20 bucks back in 1994 a 20 dollars single bottle of beer 94 nobody's gonna buy other than people that have dispensable income uh that was then followed by millennium ale in 2000 now in that one millennium i have had i did not have it in 2000 but i did have it six or seven years later um, for New Year's, I was able to get my hands on one. And it was, it was fabulous. It was a very heavily carbonated, almost champagne-like beer. Uh, I don't recall it being 20%. And if it was, it did not taste like that at all. It tasted like, it tasted like champagne beer. And then Utopias, the one I just mentioned, which is made every two years. And it's been made every two years since 2002. And in 2011, the current version came in at 27%. Utopia is currently the strongest beer made in the US, according to this in 2011. Each of these beers have been made in limited quantities. So Utopia is most likely still is the strongest beer in America. I don't know if anyone's making things higher than 27, 28%. Uh, Dogfish Head makes a beer at 18 to 20%, which is worldwide stout. Brewdog. If they're making that in their Ohio and at their Ohio facility might still have their ship sink to Bismarck, which is a 41% beer. But again, that's a Scottish brewery, Scottish brand, the production facility in the U S odds are the state of Ohio may not allow a beer to be made at that alcohol percentage. So if, if anything, it's being exported or imported into the US from, from Scotland, not being made in the production facility in Ohio. So without really knowing, I still believe Utopias is the strongest beer made in the US. Overseas, there's Scott, like I said, Sink the Bismarck from uh Brewdog. They have that one. They have Tactical Nuclear Penguin. And then they had some other one that all surpassed. 50 some odd percent, 53, 54, something just absurdly high. Uh, Germany makes some beers. They make an ice box. There's a, a couple breweries that have ice box that are like 11 to 14%. Uh, and that ice box is a very traditional style. It's made every year. It's released every year and it's made like the name sounds. It's, they take a standard box, a, a, a wheat box, so a wheat lager and they freeze it and they freeze it a certain amount of times until they get to the flavor and alcohol percentage that they want. Because if you make, let's say a 5% wheat beer, you freeze it. 95% of it's going to freeze. 5% <laughs> of it isn't. That 5% is concentrated alcohol. Do it again. And now you're left with very little but it's also very super, very concentrated beer and alcohol and alcoholic. And then you bottle condition it, you, you cap it, and then you sell it at 11 to 12%, still carbonated, but minimally and huge flavor. Just 
imagine the banana and the clove and the nutmeg all that the caramel turned up to like 11. and then you have a booze element so you get this little bit of a burn in the back end great beer to age um fantastic beer to age and try to see what it tastes like a year later two years later but not a lot of breweries in germany or in europe for that matter make it so there's only a handful of them that do and again it's it's expensive and it takes a long time to make because you got to make more of what you normally make because you're freezing all of it down to a, a yield that is ready to be packaged so a lot i mean in reality a lot of it goes to waste it becomes ice and just either i don't know what they do with it i don't know what you do with frozen wheat lager <laughs> i have no idea never even thought about that um so and here's some stuff that i didn't know um reading about the boston beer company and the sam adams brand in addition to the sam adams brand the company owns the trade names hardcore cider company and twisted tea brewing N nowadays I learned that they also own Truly and Angry Orchard. Now, Hardcore Cider, I don't believe is made anymore. But what I believe they did was take the Hardcore Cider name, changed it to Angry Orchard, and Angry Orchard has been being made for quite a while. Possibly like 10 years plus. So, Twisted Tea, I've never had it. Don't ever want to try it. Don't really care. I don't like my tea alcoholic. Not even Long Islands. Not a fan of that. Uh, and then now you have Truly. Truly is owned by a Boston beer company. Their seltzer line. Because everybody has to make a seltzer now. And then one of the coolest things that Boston beer company has done. And I, as far as I know, they're still doing it. I don't know if they did it last year due to the pandemic. But they have a homebrew competition called long shot american homebrew contest which is homebrewers are invited to enter their beers in regional competitions the regional winners are then judged in a final where three are selected as the winners those three winners have their beers produced by samuel adams under the long shot label with their pictures on the label and sold in a mix six pack so you'll get two of each from the winners uh, it was, it's one of, it was from, I remember it was released every January and obviously it was released, uh, essentially nationwide, but it was more on the Eastern side of the country than it would be in like Texas and California. Right. So they were literally that they were home brewers. They went through the competition and they had styles that were just out of this world, but seeing regular people win this competition and have a brand as big as Samuel Adams and the Boston Beer Company make your beer at that capacity and have it distributed nationwide like that's your beer your name is on the label the only thing that isn't there is the the recipe but sometimes you would find the recipe in uh brew your own magazine BYO you would sometimes find it in Zemergy which is the home brewers association official magazine you would sometimes find it in Craft Beer Magazine and prob that's probably it. Or post it to the Home Brewers Association forums. Uh, it would just have to be titled, you know, like 
long shot winner or something like that or even like long shot finalist or semi-finalist so yeah that's that's one of my favorite things and i hope that if they didn't get to do it last year because of the pandemic that they returned this year and did it again over here and got since i've been here i haven't seen any of it i don't think it get. i don't think it makes it out here and that my friends is the end of today's lesson <laughs> no but yeah that that's that's uh kind of the history of boston beer and the sammy adams brand um a brewery that's almost 40 years old that started out making one style contracted for three years and then in 10 years went from 500 barrels a year to 1.2 million and now is probably with the acquisition of dogfish said is the largest brewer in the u.s yingling would be number two okay so i found the entry for the uh merger acquisition collaboration whatever you want to call it it was may of 2019 may 9th 2019 when it went down yep. so within which which now makes like i said being out here we got dogfish head stuff we just didn't get a lot of it we got i think it was like 90 minute and sequential which in our county of california sequential a four percent very crushable slightly soured german uh berliner vice yeah would sell the sour beers over here are very very popular excuse me very very popular so for that one to be a year round and over here makes per absolutely perfect sense and it's a great beer 90 minute though i'm not quite sure why 90 minute out of all of their ipas 69 60 75 90 120 i would think 60 would be the one um now it is but when we first got here two years ago it wasn't it was 90 minute and then this past year or last fall and this year were the first that i've seen since we've been out here sam adams uh excuse me not sam adams dogfish that's pumpkin ale one of the best that's ever made in this country and it's it's making its way out here which is which is awesome awesome to see that it's it's now making making its rounds to places where it may not have been distributed before and that's all thanks to the the, the merger acquisition of or with boston beer and sam adams well let me know hit me up on all the social medias if you have something to to say or want to discuss boston beer and sam adams and if you enjoy their beer and what you what you enjoy just you know hit me reply back on the tweet or send me a demon dm of some kind or if you happen to stop by this the, the stream you know after listening to this let me know we'll chat about it i'd love to i'd love to talk uh, i obviously love to talk beer so yeah for sure thank you very much for tuning in and thank you for your patience on from episode four and a half to five uh, i will get back to this on a routine basis every other week recording editing it and again editing is the longest part because i have i like to put music behind my voice instead of just hearing me you hear music so i i have i go through a long list of license free music that i have that i bought the license for 
so I can use it in a podcast or in a stream or in a YouTube video if I chose to. And I like to find something that works with the subject. This particular episode, I'm going to have to edit out a lot of stuff from my throat, <laughs> my clear my throat, the silence, the gaps, all that stuff. I could, I already knew from just speaking that I would have to create, I'd have to, excuse me, I'd have to edit out a lot of that stuff, but it is what it is. Again, thank you so much. Hopefully you all return for the next episode. I believe this is episode five. I don't know. You'll see it whenever it goes live. I don't remember what my last one was. I know I did a half episode reviewing the two cocktail beers from Firestone Walker. And I decided to name that as a half since I couldn't get my hands on the second one. So this will be a normal numbered episode. And I'm guessing it's five. So until the next one, folks, thank you very much. Y'all stay safe out there and we will see you and or you will hear me next time. Thanks. Holy crap. This is 47 minutes long. I'm so sorry.